podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show Edge Rush in association with Bet Fred. Well, 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 as our friend OCU Manura would say. Mixed bag with the Super Bowl. We're going to get straight down to that propo in the house. We're going to look back at the season as a whole. Some wins, some bad beats, some cracking bad beats. We're also going to take a look at the futures already out, of course, for the 21 season. Who are the front runners? Where are the value bets right now to win it all? Straight down to business with that. As well as all, and catching up on the season as a whole, very special guest, Jack Boyle, Global President, Direct to Consumer of the Fanatics brand. So looking forward to hearing from Jack Doyle. Ollie caught up with him a little bit earlier on in the week. So straight after me and Propo, there will be that interview in its entirety. Some really interesting things in that. So stick around for it. Let's get straight down to it though, gang. And here he is, the big man, producer Ollie. Propo, producer Ollie, Oliver Thornton. What's going on? Uh, yeah, in a full state of recovery after our... Uh, I mean, what do we say, Nat? To be honest, off the back of the Chiefs so hard, mixed, they uh, they lost by mixed they lost yeah they lost by twenty two points. I mean, who <laughs> was expecting that? I mean, the NFL though. I just want to get this out. The NFL is one of those leagues where a lot of the time, what happens is what you least expect. Right. And I was going into this game between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs, thinking I'm expecting pretty much like any outcome wouldn't surprise me. Mm apart from the one that actually just happened, was the only one. The only one. I could have right. seen a Chiefs blowout. I could have seen the yeah. Chiefs winning it by close. Yeah. Could have seen the Bucks winning it by just a couple of points, but I did not see the Bucks winning by 22 points. Well, yeah. I mean, th- we've been talking about this after the game and scratching our heads because you're right. We went big on the Chiefs. No doubt about it. And we're not going to try and hide. We're not going to try and make any kind of excuses. We were all in on... The Chiefs. We will talk about our prop bets that were pretty successful. Mm. And that's kind of the yang to the yin. But the Chiefs, big bust. And we were chatting about this earlier on in the week. We made how many minutes of content over the last two weeks that were Super Bowl related? (laughs) Thousands, right? I mean, I was writing articles. I was telling you as I was heading up to the Sky BBL game that I had to write three columns in three hours whilst on the train. And I finished the last one just as I got there. I, I mean, we were, I mean, to, I know you anyway, being so diligent all with, with every edge rush show, so much data, Super Bowl level data and spreadsheets and graphs and all kinds of analysis stretching back years to get a set for, for the podcast. Uh, all of this and, and almost every step of the way, every expert we spoke to, every narrative that we brought up, was pointing towards the Bucks like more and more. Literally. Increasingly, everywhere we looked, we were pointing towards the Bucks. And Literally. yet, you and I were big on the Chiefs. But at the same time, and this is what, um, speaking to Marley, our producer, who also mm-hmm. is actually gone into mourning, I Chiefs believe, fan. as a massive Chiefs fan. Yeah, a massive Chiefs fan. And he, we actually had what was meant to be a two-minute call about work last Friday. Mm-hmm. Ended up being an hour-long call of him convincing me why the Chiefs were going to win and win comfortably. Mm-hmm. So as you can imagine, he is really struggling. But he makes a great <laughs> point. And the reason, that he, the reason that we went, despite everything the 
literally the world was telling us we knew that if the Bucks established a run, went to play action mm-hmm. and created pressure on Mahomes, got to Mahomes, sacked Mahomes, that they were going to have success. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that is literally what happened. They never had to divert away from plan A. Not yeah. at one point did the Bucks have to go away from plan A. Mm-hmm. But what we said, and in some ways we were right, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and this Kansas City coaching staff and offense is good enough to counteract whatever the Bucks are going to throw at them. Yeah. And I don't think that you can go and say that Patrick Mahomes failed to deliver. Mm. But the one thing that I think you probably can say is that the Chiefs offense failed to deliver as a result. Patrick Mahomes was magical. I mean, he was throwing the ball from all sorts of angles into his wide receivers' faces and they just weren't catching it. Yeah. Um, but what we didn't see now was any creativity from the Chiefs. That's the most baffling thing for me because you're absolutely right. The, the rationale in the end, despite in the face of a lot of logic, and look, we're overstating it. It wasn't as one-sided as every single angle, every single matchup lent towards the Bucks. But I think we were hearing and indeed both putting across some fairly compelling arguments about why it's a good matchup. I mean, boring the hell out of you because, of course, you're a key part of the, this show, uh, of, the, uh, of, the, of, the, of the overall ESPN show, and, of course, you producing our radio. So you must have heard me say 74 times in the last couple of weeks, doesn't that speed on that Tampa Bay defense match up really well? Other defenses, not so much, you know, <laughs> literally uh-huh. hurry this point home and then not joining, not joining the dots. The other thing that was really apparent was, uh, which we started, to, I started to touch upon later on in the week, was starting to look at this Tampa defense as a classic defense. So we knew it was good and we knew that it was instrumental in, in the season and the playoff run in particular, right? But I started to look at that Ravens D of the early noughties with, with Ray Lewis and Ed Reed, right? And, and obviously the Broncos defense of a few years back. Seattle's Legion of Boom defense as well. And those great Super Bowl winning defenses and start to look at the, the names on this Bucks defense having not n- nearly... Uh, not even come close in terms of comparison in the past of thought, actually JPP and Dominican Sue, the speed with Devin White, just, just the individuality, the components all working together, a distinctive classic defense, a ferocious defense. And, you know, and they lived up to that. And so uh, fair point, the Andy Reid Mahomes thing was the reason why we were big on the Chiefs, obviously Mahomes, and I guess as obviously Reid, but, that was the most baffling thing. As you say, Mahomes was balling and fighting for his life and scrabbling around and trying craziness and, get, and still almost getting it done. But it was the creativity. The fact he was having to do that, there was nothing coming from, from Andy Reid, given what a brilliant mind he is. And look, maybe I jinxed him, right? Because I wrote a column about him celebrating his absolute genius. So, you know, and we, as I jigged the Green Bay Packers just weeks before, maybe the reason, maybe we've just stumbled across it now, the reason that the Kansas City Chiefs lost Super Bowl 55 was my column for the Times and Andy Reid. Don't tell Marley yeah. that. No, I won't tell Marley that, but that does seem likely, not sadly. Not I think, can you just let me know who your picks are for next year's Super Bowl just so I can fade them massively? Is that right? <laughs> yeah, you say that, but I picked the Kansas City Chiefs to win the AFC at the start of the season. A big reach that was. Oh, yeah, <laughs> was yeah. Not, big call that one, that. That's yeah. my hot take. Um, you know, one of the stories that, that has come out and getting increasingly reported. It's one of those ones where it's a bit like, is so-and-so the most underrated player in the NFL? And everyone writes that story, so they're ceased to be underrated. Same thing about this car crash story involving uh, 
uh, Andy Reid's son, that that came out and people were saying, well, not enough people are talking about this and now everybody's talking about it. But it is an interesting narrative. I wonder how much that inevitably impacted. You, because look, Andy Reid is a, an old stager, an old warrior, right? But he's had a tragedy in his life, of course. And I wonder if that brought up some of those memories with pure speculation and I don't know whether we'll ever know the, the true answer there, but it is, it is, it, it, it was an interesting element to the story that as the, as that has played out that particular story through the week kind of makes some sense, doesn't it? Definitely. Actually, I spoke to Marley about this um, on the Monday. I said that realistically to us, especially on Sunday night, the Super Bowl was by far and away the most important thing and the most pressing thing in all of our minds. I mean, obviously, I'm not a parent, but you are a parent, Nat. There are some things which are just more important than work. And there are some things which are certainly much more important than football. Yeah. And for that to happen on the week and to see the performance of not only the Kansas City Chiefs, but Andy Reid just generally as a head coach, some of those offensive players, Eric Bieniemy, I find it hard to believe that there wasn't, Andy Reid didn't necessarily, I think he might have underperformed just because his mind yeah. can't have been solely on the game. You can't, it's impossible. I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm not a dad and I know you are, but even I understand that there's no way that you could realistically put your 100% focus and attention onto that when something is significant yep. to your child has happened. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And I, yeah, I think he's a professional and I think he would have given it his best shot. And it's not as if he wasn't thinking about the game at all or any, anything ridiculous like that. But at the same time, that edge that you need in a game as significant as the Super Bowl was maybe blunted by, by you know, thoughts in his head, distractions at certain who knows, but it, but it, it, it's logical and it makes, it makes a fair bit of sense. So, we whiffed on the Chiefs ultimately, but we redeemed ourselves with our prop picks because they were pretty much on the button, right? I mean, Leonard Fournette, another protagonist that I wrote about last week, thank God he stepped up and <laughs> saved some element of vague credibility for me. Um, but Fournette, Gronk. We, Gronk, how about that, Gronk? Bang on the button with Gronk. Yeah, we had that over was yardage. sensational. I actually had a lot of messages from friends thanking me for the Gronk pick. So uh, that was a... Uh... Thanking you for the Gronk pick. Yeah, I, mean, I picked Gronk before you. I put it in the running order. <laughs> you know I don't read the running orders off. <laughs> there we go. That's the expose that I needed. I knew. I knew. Was that I a trap? Yeah, that was a trap. No, trap. exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, for once, me and you both going for the same thing usually ends in a disaster. But I mean, that was... I mean, I, you know, and you know um, Harry, who's also a producer on our radio show, Classic Harry. So obviously I go for Gronk. I back Gronk. Anytime touchdown scorer. Absolutely chuffed. Um, big relief there. Mm -hmm. I tell Harry, he was like, so what I was... As we had said throughout the week, I said I was convincing myself more and more about the Bucks as the weeks went on. I still backed the Chiefs. And I said on this podcast, I'm not going to go and say, yeah, I want to back the Bucks behind your back now. I didn't. I certainly didn't. Mm -hmm. But one thing he did say was, what is your sort of best prop bet? And I did say to him, I was like, I really like Gronkowski to score a touchdown. Yeah. Um, that is just my number one, purely based off the fact that his record with Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, et cetera, yeah. what we explained last week. The go-to So guy. there's me going on uh, anytime touchdown score a Gronk. Really happy with my wins. Harry goes on. 
Gronk, anytime touchdown scorer, Gronk to score two touchdowns, <laughs> Gronk to score the first touchdown, no. and Gronk to score the first Tampa Bay touchdown. No. All four of them. All no. four of them. To safe to say, uh, he was very happy man. Very happy man. Love Harry. He's a, Harry is, a, for the benefit of our listeners, I think, firstly, I want more Harry stories on this show. <laughs> that's, what gonna, that's one of the things we're going to introduce in the offseason uh, and indeed rolling into next season. Harry is... Uh, one of those, incre- he's always got some action on something, right? You know, always. we could be, at, for example, we've been doing radio shows and Harry's big on his golf. And I will say, because I'm not, but I might fancy a bit of action on some golf and say, what am I looking at, Harry? The final round, like who should I be looking at? It's a kind of bunched field. And Harry will already have action on 14 names in the, <laughs> <laughs> in the field, which I, I love that fact. And, I, and that's on a PGA it, a tournament. I, I, I imagine Harry is betting on Belarusian tennis tournaments. And, and well, other- no, the fa- my favorite thing about Harry's uh, betting tendencies is the fact that no matter what he's gambling on, because he's a massive Crawley Town fan. Yes. And he's actually quite big in the Crawley Town field, the area, you know, that big circle that is Crawley Town. I think he actually hosts the pregame show. Yeah, exactly. But no matter, so he told me that every single bet he had on the Super Bowl, we had in a double with Crawley Town to beat Leighton Orient on the Tuesday. And did they? No. No. Uh, he always puts in I've always asked what have you got on and he was like I've got this this and this and Crawley to beat Cheltenham (laughs) gotta take gotta take the the emotion out of it right West Ham have let me down far too many times I've got to give it up yeah it's true I never bet on Stokes in true uh, in true me fashion though uh, one of the prop bets that I talked about on the show and that you messaged me as it came in, which was the Mahomes rushing yardage, <laughs> I had forgotten to back, which was uh, is, sens- a typical uh, yeah, sensational manoeuvre there. So I forgot. To no, back. that was excellent. I mean, that came in pretty much within five minutes of the game. Similar to yeah. the Gronk touchdown, a lot of our prop bets um, looked very good early on. I mean, the Ronald Jones over eight and a half carries was... Yeah. We passed comfortably. The one thing that I can't believe, and this is just classic, isn't it? The one that I was so confident on yeah. was that bet Fred, request a bet, um, pick your punt, sorry. The fourth down one. Uh, no, the th- the both teams have scored three touchdowns. Oh, yes. I yeah, mean, yeah, I couldn't yeah, have been yeah. any further off. That's the mad thing, isn't it? Literally, oh, I mean, the Chiefs didn't score that. one. Who would have uh, thought? I mean, this is the thing going into it as a gambler, like... You can only use what, as you know me doing my research, you can only use what you've seen come before you. Like you can't go into that game predicting Kansas City Chiefs to score nine points. You can't. I mean, anyone who does that is just going off complete hunches and complete, mm. which sometimes the best way to go is sports If you're sometimes. backing Kansas City not to score a touchdown in the Super Bowl, Kansas City to score less than 10 points, the Bucks to win by that amount, it is the equivalent of those guys you see in casinos that are backing every single number on roulette. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah, You can't just go in thinking that's going to happen. There's no anything. way. So look, the uh, it was mixed bag, and uh, I think we did save face with it with our prop. So I was happy about that. But yeah, the the Chiefs the blew us out, uh, and congrats to the Bucks for a superb all round performance. Oh yeah. The question Incredible. is, we're already looking now. You know, the the, the minute the the Super Bowl finished, it's much like the Pete Carroll story. I tell you, I've told you, and I think I've told listeners before. Uh, the New York Super Bowl that we were covering out in the Channel Four days, and I was at the Carroll conference the next day, 
and it was early doors. And I was, as I've definitely told the story quite a few times, absolutely never been as ill in my life, never will be as ill. I, thought, I can't believe how I made it to that press conference, given how I was essentially hallucinating on the field, on the MetLife field during Maybe you broadcast. were. Uh, maybe I wasn't at the press conference. Pete <laughs> Carroll didn't give a press conference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I did. I, I was there and kind of you know, row two, row three. And it always struck me. It was, it was the moment that the intensity and commitments of these guys really struck me because you, you realize it and you, you're told it and you understand, it, you hear it. But it's moments like this that, that it really hits home. It's kind of what like me and Asme were talking about on the show last week, the difference between very good and exceptional and then that LeBron, Brady, Carol, Andy Reid level, right? It's at Carol already talking the morning after the Super Bowl about next season. <laughs> already talking uh, with all in all seriousness, not even kind of t- winkling in his eye. Like or you could tell, he's already thinking about next season. The morning after, he's taking care of business. So to honour the great Pete Carroll and uh, much in that vein, I was already thinking within seconds of the of the Super Bowl wrapping and us getting blown out on our Chiefs bet. What about next year? What about next year? So we've been looking at, at the futures, right? The outrights all for next year or this coming season, uh, which, where are we? Six months away or so, right? So it's a long row. We've got a free agency. We've got the draft. We've got all kinds of twists and turns coming up. But right now, I, now, I haven't looked at this. This is a full disclaimer, right? So I'll said, uh, don't, don't look at it uh, ahead of the show. So I'm going to have a bit of a guess at the, the top three or four teams right now, based on the Betfred market, to win the Super Bowl next year outright. So straight off the bat, are the Chiefs the favorites? Yes. Chiefs okay. are favorites are five to one. Five to one. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, I got that right. Uh, but comfortably, that was... comfortably the favorites, actually. Comfortably favorites. Second favorites, I'm going to say the Green Bay Packers. It's actually tied with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're both nine mm. to one. Okay. Fourth uh, is where it gets interesting. This is where it gets interesting from this point onwards. This is where I'm intrigued to see mm. where you go. Because I think those are the three obvious, yeah. um, obvious ones. I mean, you always see the two teams are in the Super Bowl as favorites the following year. Yeah. This is where it gets interesting. The next price is at 10 to one. So not too far behind Tampa Bay and Green Bay. Yeah. Who do you think it is? I'm going Buffalo. No. Mm, interesting. Is it going to surprise me all? Not particularly. I don't think it will surprise you. I are, think... are people still big on the Saints, even though there's are the Saints going to be, I would thought they would have dropped down a fair chunk no. of the quarterback situation. Okay. So, uh, I'm not sure if this is an unfair representation. I'm not sure if you necessarily, if this team deserves it based on this year's. Um, let me just give you a hint that it's a probably more based off the season before this one. Mm, interesting. And a certain quarterback who's certainly going to come back with a point to prove, even though he got over his playoff hoodoo. Ah, Baltimore. Yes. Okay. Interesting. That is surprising. Uh, uh, that is surprising. Uh, so Baltimore are 10 to 1. Buffalo are then straight behind them at 12 to 1. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So this is where I think this is the, ne- the next group is realistically where you're going to potentially see some value. I mean, going into Chicago. this season. <laughs> <laughs> so I think who's, let's, who's let's last? I love looking at like, who's, who's, who's someone. Guess who's last. Guess who's be, last. Has to be, has to be the Jets. No, of course it's not the what? Jets. What do you mean, of course it's not the Jets? To be fair, this one is largely based off the expectancy that someone, a certain quarterback is leaving this place. 
a certain quarterback is leaving this place and they're, they're rank outside. What? Houston. Houston. Oh, okay. I guess so. 150 to one. Houston are comfortably, <laughs> comfortably the biggest outsiders. It then goes down to the Jets, 100 to one. Bengals, yeah, okay. 100 to one, and the Lions are 100 to one. Then the Bears, are 80. The to Lions. I'm sorry, the Lions are. The Bears are 80 to one. Right. Let's. What I'll do is we can go into our serious value picks because I think one of the most interesting things going into this season is what happened last offseason kind of debunked the idea that a lot of these teams have absolutely zero chance because what we saw with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is that I'm sure they were 14 to 1 going into the season but I'm sure prior to Tom Brady arriving there they were probably about 40 or 50 to 1 right and I think there's quite a few examples of teams that if they get the right quarterback, if yeah. they get Deshaun Watson, yeah, yeah, they yeah. will shoot up. And with the Great amount shout. of uncertainty in the quarterback market right now, that's where you can kind of spot value um, going into it. But just before we do that, hmm. just want to have, just want to see. So, top five: Chiefs five to one, Buccaneers nine to one, Packers nine to one, Baltimore ten to one, Bills twelve to one. The next team fourteen to one which was the price of Tampa Bay going into last season. Yeah. So potentially if you believe in that kind of, th- in that kind of stuff, maybe there's value here. Who do you think this is? This is going to surprise you. I think the Rams. No, they're next at 16 to one, which I think mm. is a lot of value there. I mm. like that. Now. Just little tease. I like 16 to one for the Rams. Yeah. So it's, it's ahead of the Rams and the saints have fallen further, right? Saints have fallen further. So the saints are 18 to one. The saints could be in the market, by the way, for, I mean, what, imagine to show what's to the saints. <laughs> Amazing! How would uh, they make that cap space work? Though, uh, who, who cares? Yeah, who cares? Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, it's a playoff team this season, presumably. No. Oh, interesting! It's not a playoff team this season. No. It's not. We Miami, should give you a hint. No. Miami. No, no, of course not. Uh, should give you a hint. Not a playoff team. Not the rat. But, but would have been if it wasn't for a ridiculous amount of injuries. Oh, the 49ers. Yeah. Okay. And that's probably in... I mean, I think that's largely due to the fact that there is the expectation that potentially Deshaun Watson goes there, but I can't see that really happening necessarily. I still They're think it's most likely going to be the Jets. The 49ers are ahead of Seattle. The 49ers are ahead of the Rams. Both ridiculous. It must be. <laughs> it must be what you're saying that it, you know. I, I get the. Interest. I can't wait. Okay, I'm gonna clip that. <laughs> <up>. <laughs> I'm gonna clip that up yeah, straight yeah. away. The team that was in the Super Bowl two years ago, pretty much the exact same roster, same coaching yeah. staff, yeah, apart yeah. from without Robert Salah. That's actually something that maybe people aren't taking into account. No Robert Salah. That's no Robert big. Salah. Yeah. No Robert Salah, and massive question marks to the quarterback position right now. Yeah. I mean, look, and I, you know, I like Garoppolo, but they seem to they seem to be moving on and even if you like him at rate and the injuries are a massive concern so yeah I think it's a huge amount of uncertainty compared to Seattle yeah let's I like Seattle and the Rams there at that at that amount so Seattle yeah. 20 to 1 what okay you love Seattle love. <laughs> yay Pete Carroll the press uh, conference well, even imagine. with the uncertainty about Russell Wilson coming out in recent weeks that he's not happy there I mean there's no way he's leaving but it's just no chance chat. no chance no no got chance good, they, look their defense was getting stronger as the season went on they had a piece or two there either in the draft free agency we know offensively what they could do they obviously need to look at the ground game you know if, if fitness is going to be an issue but yeah I mean one of the coaching elite quarterback you know tick tick two of the biggest pieces of the puzzle irrespective of anything else so I, I I like I like the Hawks next season I mean I guess that you've got to factor the West in and I get that and I get you know it's the, it's going to be the hardest division of football again 
Um, so for sure, I guess there's there's a, an edge there that is that is blunted because of that. But then you know, then you're seeing the 49ers that high, so it kind of mm, that we'll look into this in the off season. Well, as the schedule's released and as we start to get more and more markets released as well on edge rush, we'll look at the team overrunners. I'm looking forward to that episode. But I guess I suppose thinking of the NFC West, the chances of winning a Super Bowl obviously are entirely predicated on getting into the playoffs in the first place. And that has impacted to a significant mm. degree by the division you're in. Right. So I wonder whether that's the, the line I was trying to get to there, the difference between yeah, overall Super Bowl versus, versus win loss record. Uh, what about mm, value on So you've given us a, a, a bit of, you like a bit of value in the four. You like the 49ers. Is that what we're agreeing? You like, no, I don't, I don't think a 14 to one. I thought that that would have been, I thought if their price was more about 20 to 25, I would be so much you like the Rams. Yeah. 16. So you like 16. Okay. I like the Rams, but going yeah. back even further down, I think that, um, Crawley town, Crawley town. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Crawley town. I think there's a lot of value in Crawley town. I think, yeah. cause again, with the unpredictability of the quarterback market, I think, when you just look at teams, just for as a, I know we learned more this Super Bowl than ever that it's a team sport. That's what everyone's been saying. Obviously, it's a team sport. We've always known that. The Indianapolis Colts, right, twenty-five to one. I quite like. I don't. They're a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl team. I think that's quite a big. That's quite a big piece. But you say it is a massive piece. Saying. But there's so many quarterbacks available, and I don't think. Look how far they got with Rivers. Rivers. They nearly beat the Bills. Don't forget. Yeah, fair. What? Who would be a good fit for them? Who would That's you like to question. see going there? Deshaun Watson, if I'm backing them. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Flacco, if you're not yeah, Joe, <laughs> yeah. Joe yeah, exactly. Flacco. Uh, um, well, yeah, I guess that I don't necessarily think that if Carson Wentz goes there, that that is the answer to their problems, despite the link to the coaching staff and Frank Reich. I don't yeah. necessarily still think that will be the, the answer. I mean, if Sam Darnold goes there, who knows? Who yeah. knows what Sam Darnold can do outside of a New York Jets jersey? The other one that Gardner I... Mitchell. <laughs> really clutching at straws there. Yeah. The other one that I'm interested in there, and I actually took this last year at the exact same price um, yeah. and cashed out because I'm smart and saw that the value was diminishing. Nice. Pittsburgh Steelers at 25 to 1. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I mean, you've got you still got Big Ben there. Think about and the Steelers. That's a that is a, seems to be a lot of value there because because what are they realistically a run game away right. from being seriously serious contenders? I mean, they're in the contenders third round. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You get a decent running back in the third round. Just work out all they have to do is just fix that part of their game. I know their receivers dropped loads of passes, but at the same time, and didn't Big Ben throw for five hundred yards against the Browns? But it's all about what you've done for me lately, right? Because they. I mean, I know people weren't big on them when they were unbeaten, sure, but because they capitulated in the way that they did, it's all always worse that way, you know, than ending strongly. Even if you don't make the playoffs, if you end strongly, oh, that's a lot of positivity then trending in the right direction. And so that's why everyone's crazy. Buy down. low, sell high now. Buy low, sell high. That's what Propo always goes with. I'm just looking at always. running backs in the 2021 draft. We'll have to get... Ben Isaacs on uh, will be doing a lot of analysis of the draft in the coming weeks and uh, outside of the major names that you would have heard of, we're going to start to look at 
look at some of the deeper dives as well and get you set for the draft. I'm interested to know who the, yeah, so the... Maybe Najee Harris out of Alabama. Yeah, he's high. Travis Etienne, Clemson as well. Yeah, that makes sense. So they're so both there's... expected to go top two rounds. Yeah, yeah so there's, you know, the, I, I could easily see the, the Steelers taking care of business there. What's the running back free agency market looking like? we got a lot of prep to do, well, to be God, honest. So much prep to do. There's so much to go into this. So I'm much s- to get into. I mean, we could go on forever. What do you think, Nat? Mm. What do you think about so two again two teams quarterback away? Yeah, Denver Broncos at sixty six to one. <laughs> you know how much I hate Drew Locke. Poor Drew Locke. I think he's. I honestly think he's with. A, I think with a decent quarterback, that team could be easily challenging the Chiefs in the AFC West. Obviously, probably not going to get out of it, but I mean, they could easily get the second spot, get through to the wild card round. Mm. But you look at their defense. They had a lot of injuries this year. They've got one of the best free safeties in Justin Simmons. I think they do have to re-sign him, but I think they will do because of how talented he is. You look at that receiving core, they're getting better and better. Jerry Judy's going to have another year. Yeah. You've got Cortland Sutton, who's been injured all season. You've yeah. got a running back duo of... Um, Melvin Gordon and I've forgotten the other one Lindsay Patrick Lindsay pa- uh, Philip Lindsay Philip Lindsay Patrick Lindsay <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably edit that <laughs> oh I've forgotten Patrick Lindsay <laughs> let's do uh, yeah. uh, so you've got those two you've got those two at running back I think that they've got uh, a great opportunity to if <laughs> to win the Super Bowl I can't believe I'm saying that I know they've got a great opportunity I think there's value there at 66 <laughs> know the names of their running backs in your no, if, they, <laughs> if they get the right quarterback and as you know I'm not even going to say this one I just like the price we've said it already I like the yeah, price yeah I think so there's I think a lot ridiculous. to be said for that I, look, I, I, yeah. I, I, but what about the Bears at 80 to 1 absolutely not ridiculous what about if they get the right I know they're going after Carson Wentz Uh, it's just Matt Nagy isn't it that's the issue I have otherwise I think they've got a decent team they've got a decent defence you saw what they did to the Super Bowl champs earlier in the season there are certain teams I think that I'm obsessed with this you know that Super Bowl odds versus other other odds but I think there are certain teams that are more that that are more you just look at as more viable to win the Super Bowl even if you don't think they're as good a team right if, if, that, if that makes any kind of sense at all in other words it's not just a part of the playoffs and that element of it but there are certain teams that you think well maybe if you look at it match up for match up on paper player caliber in the roster they're a better roster but I just can't see I can't put any kind of argument for them winning the Super Bowl whereas other teams and uh, do you say both the Bears and the Broncos are at 80 to 1 or the Broncos Broncos 66 Bears uh, okay well that, ignore that last minute <laughs> they were both if they're both 80 to 1 I could imagine the Bears I could see the Bears having a better shot than the Broncos but that explains why they are uh, uh, 80 to 1 actually no it doesn't explain that at all no it's the opposite yeah the opposite. it's the opposite yeah. what are you talking well, you about yeah. so I think the Bears out of those two I like more more uh, out of your two longer shots those um, are my two longer shots but yeah I think just in terms of it I think you'd be a uh Smart man just to go for the Chiefs again. I think that they're going to be in a serious... Big time. Yeah, they're going to be in a serious point to prove. Um, You know that already the next time they win the Super Bowl, which I'm going to say when because of Patrick Mahomes and how great he is, I do expect them to win another Super Bowl in his tenure there. You know that that America's game is just going to be talking about this game, talking about the adversity that they faced through this game, all of that stuff, watching the Tampa Bay celebration. Of course it will start. Yeah, that's all it's going to talk about. Brady losing it to Gronk in the... Uh, on yeah. the boat and you know we exactly. were watching those pictures and you know the, the work began that day they 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 the yeah, day exactly yeah. exactly um, just well, humor me one more uh and then we're going to remember some of our bad beats of the season where are uh, and i reckon there's probably decent value here as well 
where are the Miami Dolphins and what we sh- Ooh, shaking your head where are they well that's because they're, they're the same price as the South Seahawks at 20 to 1 which I think I don't think there's value there personally that's no I'm not I'm not not no. buying that at all it's like where the Browns the- at 16 to 1 the Browns are not the same price as the Rams they should not be I'm going to guess this and I reckon this might be my value pick which you'll again you can clip this up and laugh at me in nine months time I think I know where you're going with this dear the yeah. Raiders where are the oh Raiders? no I did yeah. not think you were going with the yeah. Raiders because I bet Why? I I think the Raiders are who's the only team other than Tampa Bay <laughs> that smashed that smashed the Chiefs last season yeah I know but then right. you're asking the Raiders honestly have to score 40 points every single time they play yeah well like, that's, that's the issue I have well, with I think them. that they were again to look to fix it, and I think they've got the wiggle room there because they've got the pieces offensively look I know there's a question mark again about about the quarterback position but I'm a car believer I definitely think he's good enough to to give him a playoff Tear what, what 33 to 1 the Raiders 40 to 1 40 to 1 Mm-mm. mark that down Oliver, Oliver Thornton mark that down no do you know for me and it's the same problem I mean I'm saying everyone at this point yeah I think we're just basically picking we are the guy at the casino backing every <laughs> every number on relay <laughs> no but I think what we're looking at is just seeing if there's value there or not and I think that the value again another place where there is value you could laugh at me for this mm. Do you not think Dallas Cowboys at 28-1? We're literally saying every team now. This is getting absurd. Um, but not crazy. Dak's back. Dak's back. I, uh, I grouped them in the Raiders, in, in that kind of Raiders category, really. I do. I absolutely. What? what do you mean, what? There's so many parallels there. Stacked offensively, better call. Wait, when you say, this is what I don't understand about the Raiders playing stacked offensively. Okay, wide receivers. What are you talking about? Nelson Aguilar. Okay, but you've got Darren Waller, Waller. you've got Jacobs. One. Yeah. You... Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly... <laughs> maybe maybe stacked his overstretched. Are you a really big fan of Hunter Renfro now? Are you seeing... <laughs> uh, Clemson kid bringing it? I uh okay, stacked is maybe overstated. <laughs> but but hear me out. Those two elite in their position. They are. They are. They're top. Yeah, I would say, you know, uh, Jacobs, I guess, kind of fell off in the sophomore season a little bit. But I think that he, I would look at both of those as top six in their position in the, in the, in the NFL. I'm bigger on car than a lot of people. So, yeah, stack is maybe overstretching it. But, oh, you're forgetting the burner of all burner, Henry Ruggs. Huh? Yeah, but he didn't have a... I mean, if we're going to... We're comparing the Raiders to the Cowboys. I'd take C.D. Lamb over Henry Ruggs. I don't think it's as clear cut as that. <laughs> anyway, they're drafting 17. They've got to go defense though, don't they? They I, have to. They have to. They have to go I, defense. Um, they, can't, they can't add to those offensive weapons because they were one of the worst defenses in the league. Value in the number. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, potentially. So after we've, so that was good work, mate. We picked every team. So we should be at all bases <laughs> covered. Every, every team picked there. That was good work. I like that. Uh, we were thinking about bad beats of the, of the season. Because we thought we'd end on a high, right? <laughs> yeah, so of course. We, we had, I think all in all, a pretty successful season. Oh? I mean, I think we got credit where, where credit is due. And you take, because of the, the firm commitment to data and analysis and uh, research statistics, you take the, a lot of the credit for that and the heavy lifting, uh, particularly backing Mark Andrews every week. 
which, which always, always was going to come in at some point, right? But no, in all well, season, no, that was the worst thing is it came in the first two weeks and then failed to come in for the rest of the season, pretty much. One thing I was wondering that maybe you could illuminate and add a bit of clarity as far as our listeners are concerned. What happened to our lock of the week? <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty that sure we coming. did lock of the week one week and uh, then we never did it again. Well, what happened was, Nat, that we started with the lock of the week and yeah. I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> right. It was, um, I was doing my research as you do and I saw that the Miami Dolphins, who were very much a playoff contender at the time on the upwards trend, had one of the strongest defences in the league, one of the strongest passing defences in the league. Uh, we're coming up against the Denver Broncos, who Drew Locke, I have absolutely zero faith in whatsoever. Um, one of the worst past offences in the league, barely getting anything going. Their defences was just full of injuries, so banged up. And the line was at three and a half in favour of the Dolphins. Mm. And I just thought, and I remember saying it, I'm terrified this is a trap, Nat. I'm terrified this is a trap. <laughs> you did? You said And it. I remember just sitting there watching it. Uh, it was a late game, so I wasn't working it. As you know, we'd work the early game, sat there, was watching it. And uh, Tua just got... It was actually quite similar to watching the Super Bowl in the sense of Tua just had absolutely zero time. Yeah. He ended up getting taken out of the game. That was one of the first instances he got taken out of the game. And the Dolphins uh, lost by seven points. That was the beginning, the middle, and the end of lock of the week. <laughs> that was literally it, and that was it. I had an emotional breakdown after that. I could, um, I could. Drew Lock was haunting that. my nightmares. That's why you hate Drew Lock so much. Now it makes sense. Um, a fine, a fine start, a fine memory. I could think I can top it though, because now I don't know if I picked it on the show, but it was. I will have to go back into the vault and have a look, but it was definitely. A, a, a pick of mine and actually a, something that I backed, right? Which was the <laughs> the Eagles-Seahawks game, which I think has to go down as one of the worst bad beats in the history of uh, history of, <laughs> of gambling. So I had the Seahawks minus six and a half, right? There was 15 seconds of the game remaining. <laughs> the a lot Eagles, of football left. A lot of football left. The Eagles were trailing by 14 points. <laughs> Okay, a Hail Mary, a jammy, I mean, all Hail Marys are a little bit jammy, but an unbelievably jammy Hail Mary. They connect and then they go for two points. Why do they go for two? Yeah, literally, why do they go? The word go for two made no sense go whatsoever. For two points. I can't of course, they, they converted it. Unbelievable. I, I've never had a beat as bad, as bad as that. It's a beat so bad in the same way that when you watch a really bad film or see a really terrible but like you know when you're watching shark it's the sharknado of bad beats it's just so ridiculous on all levels it's great uh, i mean yeah. I, I look back at the just i mean you just gotta smile and chuckle and uh, i don't think i'm ever gonna top famous last words right but it will take a lot to top that that was sensationally unlucky oh that is one of the best ever just purely based on the fact of why did they go for two points when the yeah, line was at right. six and a half like six and a half all they needed was to convert <laughs> that extra half, point and you win the bet and yeah. they go for the two points for seemingly no reason what did they think they were going to get two field goals in the last 10 seconds <laughs> <laughs> do you remember the, the catch as well it like deflected off a seahawk <laughs> <laughs> one-handed catch 
the end zone. Oh, Come off it. Sensational. All right. Well, that was uh, that was my high point of, the, of this season. Uh, any more? Any more happy memories from? Uh, I think that's kind of. Oh well. Uh, oh, of course. Maybe most notably of all, our uh, Acker of the Week streak, which was we were rolling. Right. Yeah, we were what, five in a row. We five yeah, I think so. We were five <laughs> in a row going into the Christmas games, weren't we? And then we got derailed, of course, by the New York Jets. Of course, it was going to be the Jets. Of course, and, and coronavirus. And coronavirus. That yes, was when the Cleveland Browns, yeah. Browns Cleveland Browns lost yeah. all their wide receivers, yeah. The Browns had no receivers. And win number two of the season in a season where the total number of wins was two. two. <laughs> so, yeah. of course, they were the team that, that derailed our Acker of the Week. But I, I was impressed with our Acker of the Week. I think we, we did some good business there. No, I think so. Um, and I think that's something definitely to carry through. Maybe you never know. Maybe next year we bring back Lock of the Week. Who knows? I think we should. I think we should call yeah. it True Lock of the Week. <laughs> why did we not think of that? Why uh, did we not yeah, think of see, that? That's, that's actually quite smart. That's why you get paid the big bucks now. We will take Drew Lock of the Week. I love that. That is now officially what we're going to call it. What, even when he's probably out of the league next year? Even better when he's out of the league. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when he's in the CFL. The, so Drew Lock of the Week will bring back. We'll bring back Acker of the Week as well. I think I look at our Acker of the Week uh, and I guess all our season as a whole on that rush a little bit like maybe the the Saints season you know I think we were a playoff team that in the end fell short but uh, but had our moments this season yeah no definitely we definitely had our moments there's I would personally be going away trying to improve my prop bet game I would say I had mixed results I don't think I necessarily made too much I think the benefit of going for any time touchdown scorers is when they do come off they tend to do like you tend to make more money than even necessarily so you yeah, can make sure. a little bit more profit bit but at the same time yeah I need to you know you need to reevaluate all times you need to always get better take the Tom Brady effect you know Tom Brady's not thinking about what he's just won I guarantee today he's woken up probably feeling a little bit hungover a little bit a little bit hungover, but uh, thinking about next season, how he can improve. And that's what, that's exactly what I'm going to do now. Has Tom Brady only got drunk seven times in the last 20 years? Uh, most likely, yeah. I'm certain that's true. Yeah. And I like your approach to that. I think that's what you should do. I think you should spend your time really between now and next season. Although actually in the off season, of course, as I said, we're going to be rolling edge rush out. Uh, looking at stats, data, research, I want piles I want photographic evidence of boxes and boxes of Xerox paper with data and stats on <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. we've got along draft with, as well draft you can draft, take some bets draft. draft so yeah. all of that along with the wire on in the background all, all every single season of the wire as I say we're rolling through the off season that's exciting news we are not going anywhere with this show we might take a tiny break we'll see we might drop an episode next week we might take a holiday but we're going to be back super soon with lots and lots of content our social channels at the nc show facebook instagram twitter rolling through the off season we're going to have all kinds of special guests coming thick and fast lots of fun shows in the off season as well but plenty of business to take care of as well with free agency with the draft uh with all kinds of stuff as deals get done teams get put together and re-upped and we start to already look at the next season so we are not going anywhere oh we are not going anywhere all right look after yourself great work bud Cheers, my man. Lovely stuff from all. He'll be back very soon. You can count on that. We'll be dropping another edge rush very, very soon, gang. Before we get out of Dodge, though, let's hear Ollie's chat with Jack Boyle, global president, direct-to-consumer of the Fanatics brand. Of course, a key NFL partner shift a lot of jerseys all around the world. Some really interesting stats about which shirt sales uh, the highest, unsurprisingly, Tom Brady, as if he hasn't shifted enough in his career, <laughs> stepping up once again. Some really interesting chat that Ollie Haberjack. Let's hear it. 
Firstly, Jack, thank you so much for your time. I know you must be a very, very busy man right now. You guys make all of the official conference and Super Bowl champs merchandise. If you're a Bucks fan over here in the UK and you're listening, go and check it out. There's so much great stuff on there. I just have to ask Jack one question. Is it tough to be pushing all of this Tampa stuff as a Packers fan? <laughs> You've done your research, Ollie, and uh, you know it, it's it's interesting um, when you're in the business for as long as I've been in. You've got your teams you pull for, uh, you know, with your heart, and then there are teams you pull for with the business. And uh, as as the season shaped up, um, we had a lot of indications that. Uh, Tampa Bay would be an outstanding Super Bowl champion. So um, I, I have to say that I, I'm, I'm pretty easy to pivot my my loyalty when I'm when I'm in the business of uh, of sports. So I kind of looked at the conference championship between uh, the Packers and Tampa Bay as I couldn't lose versus uh, yeah. being upset at the Packers. But you know, it, it really. Uh, it, it, it's really been an amazing um, season for Tampa Bay, uh, a perennial, um, uh, I don't know, you know, perennial, call it 25th, high 20s out of 32 teams, annual sales performance. And, um, you know, it really, as soon as Tom Brady um, uh, signed with Tampa Bay last spring, uh, it, it vaulted them to uh, a, a top five team all season. So, you know, it, it, there's, there's so much unpredictability in, um, in the NFL merchandise sales. And, uh, you know, it takes a company like ours with uh, what we call V-commerce. We, we, we vertically integrate our business to be able to handle things that are unpredictable, like Tom Brady going to the Buccaneers. We thought he'd be a lifelong Patriot. And, uh, and certainly the fans responded all season. And I'm sure we'll get into the postseason for sure in the Super Bowl. But um, yeah, it's been an incredible NFL season for lots of reasons. I can imagine. So let's just get into the impact of the Super Bowl then. I saw that in the regular season, the, the two leading shirt sales were in fact Brady and Mahomes. Does that mean by this point, after what we've just witnessed, especially in the week building up to the Super Bowl, these two shirts are just by far and away the most popular? Yeah, you know, it, what was, you know, again, one of the unique things that we, we had this year was um, that the top two um, shirt sales, players for shirt sales all season were the ones that went to the end. Uh, went to the Super Bowl. So um, it just amplifies and it builds. Uh, we go through a couple of peaks through the year. We go through the, you know, the beginning of the season. We go through um, the holiday period and then we go through the postseason. But consistently, we had a couple of exceptions. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's interesting throughout the season how, thing, how players pop up. But uh, the, two, the two players throughout the season, as you said, uh, made it to the Super Bowl. So, um, again, w you really can't predict. I mean, there are um, 14 teams that make the playoffs, and in a period of four weeks, you go from 14 to two teams in the Super Bowl. We have to be prepared for every team. Um, and um, so we were in – in, in we, we, it's what we do best at Fanatics is be able to respond to what's selling. And um, this was the first year – 
um, that we had the rights, uh, the Nike rights, so that the rights actually for the shirt, for the jersey. Um, and we were definitely being able to respond with our supply chain to be able to ramp up the production and supply of both Mahomes and Jersey and Brady. Yeah, I mean, that must be... Is there a, is there a significant difference when... Obviously, you saw Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes go to the Super Bowl, two of arguably probably the two most marketable players in the league. Would it have been a, uh, a notable difference for you guys if it, say, had been Taylor Heineke and Josh Allen who had made it to the Super Bowl? Um, it, it would have been a difference. We've, we, you know, the, we haven't seen a Super Bowl performance dramatically underperform. And if you take, take the Bills, for example, take Josh <laughs> Allen. If they would have gone to the Super Bowl, you we had a, an incredibly energized fan base in Buffalo. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, without a Super Bowl win, uh, with um, um, with a lot of close calls through the through the years, especially you know twenty and twenty five years ago. So uh, Buffalo, you know, frequency or lack of frequency also impacts the Super Bowl performance. So um, you had Mahomes, and that would have been a repeat, or you would have had somebody, like you said, Josh Allen, and, and that, that Buffalo fan base was ready to go. We actually saw a couple of weeks um, globally in, in early January where Buffalo was the leading team in sales uh, for a couple of weeks as they were going through the playoffs. So there's a story behind every team, mm. Ollie, for sure. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and we're there to create it and, and, uh, and help support whoever makes it. But uh, we haven't really ever seen a situation where a team has gotten all the way to the Super Bowl and, and the fan base hasn't embraced it. Yeah, and I guess there's no better example of that than the fact that you still see hundreds and hundreds, thousands and thousands of Nick Foles jerseys, Philadelphia Eagles jerseys, uh, right. even walking around London. It's incredible. But let's just go back to the man, uh, Tom Brady, obviously the focal point of NFL of the NFL right now, as he has pretty much been since he entered the league. I think you've been, you've been working at Fanatics now for, what, nearly nine years, I believe? Correct. You've overseen four Super Bowl wins for Brady. Has there been a time where his shirt sales have slowed down? Um, we've actually seen, it's a, it's a great question. We've actually seen his sales each Super Bowl in the four that I've been here build. Um, wow. I think some of it was, um, um, you know, each one had a unique story. Um, you know, the year that, uh, that, 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 that the Patriots came back against Atlanta from a 28 to three deficit at halftime. The sales were explosive. And especially the early, early hours, right after the win, everybody was in pandemonium that they actually made this comeback. And, and that was a story. Um, two years ago when they beat the Rams, um, it, 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 again, it was the highest Brady sales that we had ever seen up to that point because it was, you know, part of his legacy, uh, part of being the goat. Uh, maybe this is the last one. And every and, and people were memorializing that victory. And, you know, it's, it, it's things like the patch goes on the jersey. So it becomes a it very much becomes a collector's item. So there's no doubt uh, that, that that Tom Brady's uh um, legacy. It was part of legacy making. And then we get into to this year and um, 
new team obviously played a big role. Uh, no, but not many people, you know, nobody previous to this year had ever owned a, a Tampa Bay Brady Jersey, but certainly nobody had ever owned a uh, Tampa Bay Brady Super Bowl winning Jersey. So um, we again set all kinds of records with Brady merchandise, you know, comping himself as a Patriot or comping every team. But I'll give you a couple of really interesting statistics because it all happens real time in our business. Um, we sold more Brady merchandise in the first three hours after the victory uh, it, it, in, in the UK and throughout Europe than any other player had ever sold in the first 24 hours. Um, we, he, uh, he, even, even in the period leading up into the Super Bowl, Brady was the best-selling NFL player ever between the conference championship and the Super Bowl. So again, building on that, uh, building on that legacy from previous years, and even higher than somebody like Patrick Mahomes the year before. Um, and, and and the Buccaneers sales typically at in the playoffs, whether it be conference championship or Super Bowl, player sales are about twenty percent of the business. Brady said Brady himself was a half of the Buccaneers business for conference championship and Super Bowl. So um, it, it's amazing, uh, Ali. And it really started early on. It started right when he signed with the Buccaneers back in the, in the spring. Um, the day that he signed with the Buccaneers, um, Frank, you know, again, we were surprised with a pretty, with a smaller fan base um, across Europe. He sold 10 times the number of shirts the day he signed as the next, as the nearest player. So um, it started back then and it built with crescendo all the way through. Um, and, you know, it, we, we talk a lot about shirts. We talk a lot about jerseys, Ollie, uh, in our business, but there's a, there's other aspects of the business as well. There are, uh, we're going live today with a, a, a T-shirt that we just got approved where Tom Brady is has got his hands crossed and he's holding his seven rings up and, and we put the Tampa one on there. Or uh, we have a really powerful uh, and leadership business with our memorabilia business. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's, it's it, it, we took a shot with Brady uh, a year ago, and we signed him as an exclusive athlete for our memorabilia. So you can get um, signed helmets, signed jerseys, um, uh, uh, signed footballs, all with, uh, and now, because he won the MVP, it would all be inscribed with Super Bowl MVP, uh, 55 MVP as well. So um, we kind of go to market uh, globally with a player like Brady in many different categories and, um, and, and, and certainly give the fans um, what they're looking for, because as we talked about, the demand is unprecedented right now. Yeah, that's all that we needed realistically, wasn't it? Is more records broken by Tom Brady. <laughs> it seems to be an endless list right now, an absolute endless list. And I don't um, think it's done yet. No, neither do I, sadly. But no, honestly, go and check out the Fanatics website if you're a Tampa fan or any fan of any team because it is just an absolute playground. There's so much stuff on there, brilliant stuff. I was actually looking at sort of Joe Burrow draft coins, actually, before we sat down this interview, and it is a, a, like a Joe Burrow helmet mug, which just is brilliant stuff on there. But I think one of the reasons why it's so great to speak to you is because sort of merchandise sales, especially player-orientated ones, 
are actually a great indicator of popularity of certain players. People would probably say that, I think probably the greatest, people probably say that social media following probably these days is the one. But I mean, I follow Tom Brady on all social channels, but that does not, that does not mean that I'm a fan of him and you certainly will not see me wearing a Tom Brady jersey anytime <laughs> soon, I'm sorry to say. But can you just tell me um, the players that you've seen sort of grow in popularity in terms of their merchandise sales this year, the ones that sort of seen the biggest increase? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, I, I, it, there, there are some differences at times between, uh, you know, North America, NFL and our, our international NFL business. So, um, you know, specifically on, on the international side, which is, you know, really driven a lot by the UK business as well as Germany. Um, uh, Patrick Mahomes for the year, which included his, you know, the year of 2020, which included his Super Bowl last year, um, was our number one, uh, was our number one jersey. Uh, Brady was, and that was his his home jersey, which uh, narrowly beat out the Brady road jersey. So those were those those two items were one and two. But as a player, Brady was number one for us. Um, throughout all categories in our international NFL business. Um, DK Metcalf and Russell mm. Wilson were also in the top five. Um, the, the, the Seahawks have an incredible international following and uh, definitely over indexes. It, it's large in, in the U.S., but in, in our international business, it certainly over indexes. Um, so those were, those were, those were uh, a couple of the big players. You know, we saw some defensive stars out there as well. Uh, T.J. Watt was um, a big seller for us from Pittsburgh. Billy Wagner, again, another Seahawk, mm. was what uh, was was it was a, a top twenty-five player overall. And again, you know, speaking to uh, defense, so um, you know, it's it's it, there's an incredible long tail on player selling overall. But uh, those are those are certainly a couple of highlights. Um, newness matters a lot as well. Ollie, when when you think about um, when you think about sports in general, not just certainly not just the NFL, um, we like player movement. We like rookies uh, because nobody owns that jersey, and not everybody has that uh, that tree that grows to the sky like Tom Brady. So we like change, um, and and this year's rookie class, um, despite I know your your. Uh, your fan, your fandom, and your allegiance to Cincinnati and Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow was good, uh, but the most outstanding rookie uh, was Tua. Um, Tua came in, and uh, he was not the number one pick, and he was our top-selling rookie. Um, and it, it and it happened earlier when he got drafted, and then there was a little bit of a lull. But then when he started, which was right around week ten. We saw Tua uh, rise and actually become the number one selling player in the NFL for a period of time when he began to start. Uh, players like Justin Herbert from San Diego, and San Diego is, you know, is not generally a top selling team. You saw him rise throughout the year um, as, as well when he started to take over and play. So, um, you know, it, it change is good in our business, um, despite Tom. Uh, Tom Brady being like death and taxes, it, 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 we always sell him. Uh, but but we, we we think change is great and the fans embrace it as well. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you about that in terms of the most popular rookies, but it's interesting to see Tua's success 
Um, and I especially imagine that would be the case over here, considering there seems to be quite a large, a large Dolphins proportion of fandom over here as well. Um, That's right. Yeah, so I think that definitely makes sense. And then obviously I was going to ask you in terms of, you say you like change, then as well you've got the rookie class coming in, so many sort of exciting quarterback prospects, but you've also got potentially one of the most interesting off-seasons in terms of quarterback movement that right. we've had for a while. Obviously, we've already seen Matthew Stafford go to the Rams. That's Does right. that mean immediately you're going to see a vast increase in Stafford shirt sales? Oh, for sure. Um, you know, it's, uh, I would expect that, um, that, I mean, Stafford was a top selling lion in Detroit lion force last year. He did almost 40% of the sales for the lions. So Feel sorry for those guys. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I don't know what they're going to do, but, uh, yeah. but we'll embrace that change as well. Uh, but, 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 but Matt Stafford, who's, you know, obviously a, a, a highly rated uh, player himself on the field, going to a marquee, market like Los Angeles, um, I, I would expect, um, I'm thinking through the roster there, Ali, I, yeah, I would expect he becomes a top selling player for the year, hands down for, for yeah. the brand. Uh, usually, yeah, again, you got change, you got uh, the quarterback position and, you know, frankly, you got a great team there. So I, I expect him to be number one with the Rams. So if that's the case with Matthew Stafford going to the Rams, how much demand do you anticipate seeing if Deshaun Watson goes to either a massive market in San Francisco or a massive market in New York? Oh, I think, uh, listen, he's, he's the real deal on the field as well. Um, I would expect he, he, we, he'd vault right into uh, certainly the top 10. And I think for the year, I would expect him, I would expect him, predict him to be a, a top five player for sure. Uh, so uh, again, we, we love when change happens. There's, there's a lot of different surges that happen in our business. The time of the signing, beginning of the season, great play on the field. And, and maybe we'll be talking about uh, 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 Watson being um, uh, in the Super Bowl next year. So do you see very similar trends in the UK to what you see in America? Does it tend to follow the same path in terms of shirt sales or is there sort of like a, do we have a unusual preference for certain teams and certain players? Yeah, I would say that there is, you know, I, I hate to, to take both sides of the fence, but it happens to be true. There are, there are similarities. You know, we just talked about, Tom Brady, yeah, uh, Holmes, and uh, but boy, there are there are certainly a lot of differences, and I think some of the differences that we see um, in the UK are around. I mentioned earlier the Seahawks over index, mm -hmm. um, the teams that um, um, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, um, uh, who who obviously make the the annual trip to London to play in the games there, have a strong fan base um, every year. The you know whoever the other teams are that come in the, the other uh, come in for the games we see incredible spikes on their business. Um, we happen to not only run the the European uh, and UK e-commerce business for the NFL, but we also run the physical retail for the UK games. Um, and and you know we, we in the month of 
you know, I'll just use the month of October. Um, and, and annually, we see about 35% of the business come from the teams that make the trip over um, uh, to, for, for the London Games. Um, we have about 25 and in, in, the, in the actual stadiums and in, uh, for the London Games, we see about 25,000 fans a game come through the stadium shops. So, um, it, it, it's great. Uh, you know, I was at last year, I was actually at the, the Bucks game last year uh, at, at the Spurs the Stadium, um, which was against the Panthers, which was great. And it was such an international flavor. I was, I go every year to the game except 2020 when it didn't happen. And you just see all kinds of different uh, 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 shirts on all the fans there, but it, it feels a bit like a Super Bowl. But um, um, but the differences are meaningfully enough, meaningful enough, Ollie, that uh, it's hard to say they just follow what happens in North America. Winning teams and top players do, but there are definitely uh, teams like my team, the Packers, over-index internationally. The, the Patriots always over-index internationally. The Steelers are a perennial top team internationally. Um, and, 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 and despite... Um, uh, despite sometimes the, the, the performance, uh, what we see perennially is the Seahawks being number one, two, or three every year internationally. So a little <laughs> bit of both. That's a long answer to, I'd say there's a lot that is the same and there's a lot that is, there's some, some unique characteristics to the business. That's really interesting. I mean, it does make us all sound slightly like glory supporters, uh, <laughs> supporting sort of the bigger teams, generally speaking. Right. But that does that does make sense. I mean, Azmir Begovic, who's a professional footballer, um, soccer player over here, I know for a fact that he was a diehard Patriots fan until uh, and then very quickly bought a uh, Brady Bucks jersey as that move happened. So I do think there tends to be like a following of players over here over here as well, which um, tends to happen. Jack, thank you so much for your time here on the Nat Coombe Show. We really appreciate it. Just one last thing before you go. I know you're a company man, and I know it would be you'd see even more success if Brady goes back-to-back with the Bucks. but surely you have to be rooting for the Packers to win the Super Bowl next season. I think it would be... Uh, I, 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 hopefully, uh, Aaron Rodgers develops that chip on his shoulder that Tom Brady perennially has, So, uh, and that beatdown probably... Uh, He'll be thinking about that in the offseason. So, yeah, I'm pulling for the pack and uh, um, I'll, I'll, I'll finish the way we started. Change is good. I can't wait to see him in the Super Bowl next year. Thanks so much, Jack. Okay. Thanks, Ali. Lots of things I loved about that interview. Most importantly of all, Jack Boyle being a company man because we like, we like company men on this show. Saluting the TMR reference there for those of you who know, you know. Great stuff from all. Uh, appreciate Jack's time. We are going to be back imminently. So watch this space. And thanks to all of you for listening this season. Enjoyed your company. Hope you've enjoyed ours. We'll be back very soon. Bye for now. Podcast Network.